Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our first scripture reading today is from the first chapter of Samuel, chapter 17, verses 32 to 40. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 10 and 11. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church family. Welcome to Palm Sunday, our abnormal service that we have. I have uh, a very special guest with me here today. Uh, Yeah, would you grab that mic? Thank you very much. We uh, have a very special guest here. This is my friend Dave Schwab. Will you please welcome Dave Schwab? What I'd like to do today is I want to do a mashup. You guys know what a mashup is in pop culture where you take two things that are completely unrelated and you put them together to, sh- to make something completely new. And so I, you know, I was thinking about all the different mashups. Dave and I have known each other for years, and he is like an extraordinary when it comes to pop culture and all things TikTok. So I decided to call out the big sticks over here in Dave Schwab and ask him, Dave, will you show us your favorite mashups? Is that okay with you? Very typical thing in church. Let's, let's, uh, how are you doing, Dave? I'm doing good, doing good, yeah. Great to have you here. Thank you. Will you show us a couple of your favorites? Yeah, so, um, this one is, I'll just let it play. You can describe it. So, it's called, uh, Dark Side of the Rainbow, I believe, and it's, uh, someone figured out that, um, you can mash up. Wizard of Oz with Dark Side of the Moon, and it apparently works. Uh, I won't tell you that I was in college when I figured it out, um, or, uh, or anything like that, but uh, yeah, it's a great thing. Were you, were you yeah. of sober mind with the first time you experienced that? Yeah, uh, no comment, but um, you know, it was art school, so. Art school, yeah. got it, got it. Uh, another, no, there's, so that's, a, that's like an easy mashup, probably the most known mashup. But there's more peculiar ones, even things outside of music and video. Uh, could we have three volunteers who really enjoy 
cold brew. Any people here that really enjoy cold brew? Cold brew. Okay, yes, sir, I see you in the back. This is, I finally get to do an altar call. I see you in the back. Come on up. Yes, sir. Come on down. Okay, we need, we need two more people. Okay, so why don't you share a little bit about this mashup? Yeah, so this one, uh, you know, it's weird. Uh, I really enjoy this, and I, uh, I, I, I do it quite a bit, but um, I love cold brew. I drink it year-round. Come on, come um, on. But whenever I break this out, sometimes, I mean, people ac- across the board, some people love it, some people hate it. Most people hate it. I don't know why, but um, oh, to me, it's great. Uh, I do a little bit of cold brew with some LaCroix. Um, Pomplamoose, yeah, see? Well, oh, coconut, wow. See, a lot of people don't like the coconut because it tastes like sunscreen, but um, <laughs> this. Okay, cleanse the palate. Here we go, what do you think? Okay, it's a hard pass. Sorry, Dave, sorry. Okay, three go ahead, three go ahead. Three out of three, no's, okay. You can leave it by my chair, I'll, I'll drink it. Yeah, yeah. Dave, he's had COVID so many it. times, he doesn't yeah, care. Honestly. All right, what's our next one? Why don't, you, why don't you tee it up before we watch it? Yeah, so the next one is, um, uh, fa- you know, uh, Staying Alive, I yeah. believe, uh, mixed with um, their Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd's really big on the mashups for some All right, that's pretty good. Not bad. I mean, seriously, it's, it's pretty Crowd enjoyable. Pleaser, that one, yeah. All right, so we have one final one. Yeah. Dave, this is, this is like, I feel like we're... We're crescendoing to we're a big climax yeah. here. What what are we talking about? This is about? getting into the TikTok Instagram realm. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Milo the Cat, I think, is the name of, of the uh, Instagram handle. And this person mashes up, you know, uh, all sorts of videos, cartoons, Sesame Street, uh, with popular songs. And so this one takes us back to the 90s, little uh, regulators. Okay, let's see it. Two- my favorites. Oh my god. I can't believe Sesame Street actually did that. Oh live. no. <laughs> you know, that was unbelievable. Hey guys, would you please thank our extraordinaire around pop culture, Dave Schwab. Man, they I could finish the sermon now and everyone would wonder what was that about. I love mashups because it's like you take these two things that are completely unrelated. And when you put them together, it's not like it blends it or like meets it in the middle. It becomes something altogether new. Uh, I, in some church traditions, they read multiple passages of Scripture in that morning. And oftentimes what you find is the blending of these passages creates something really profound. And so this morning I'd like to do a mashup of the two different passages we've heard today. The passages around Palm Sunday, around Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and also, we're, uh, we're going to talk about the passage of David and Goliath. And thank you guys for your grace for allowing us to shift the room and change it halfway. We're getting ready for Easter. We wanted to try it out. And I also like looking down upon people. It feels, feels right. It just feels right. And um, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. So, uh, you know, I believe that as we go through this series around weakness and strength, Uh, we have been exploring a lot around vulnerability. And what we find is that there seems to be a mashup of sorts around what does it mean to live with a kind of power that honors the way of Jesus that also blends and it mashes up vulnerability, 
the, what we've defined as vulnerability is that uh, the capacity of being wounded. And what we've seen over and over again, and you could look at almost any passage of Scripture, and I believe you would see this principle at play, is that when you see vulnerability meeting with power, what you find is that this is a unique space where God causes transformation to happen. And so if you haven't been listening to the series, I would encourage you to do so. But today, we're going to find in these two different passages, as they speak to one another, a beautiful example of power and of vulnerability. Few stories have made it into, from the Bible, has made it into common vernacular more than the story of David and Goliath. People could never open up a Bible, yet they know the story well. A wee boy against a triumphant giant, an unlikely hero uh, who succeeds against all odds. It's the ultimate underdog story. Now, we can allow our familiarity to this story to rob us of our curiosity, or we could take a deeper look at what's going on here. I believe this story is an incredible depiction of what we've been talking about in this series. Why? Because David and Goliath are displaying two very different examples and definitions of what power is. In many ways, Goliath is the ultimate worldly example of power and of strength. It's tied to dominance, violence. We also have David, who displays a very different kind of power one that is rooted in vulnerability. For those who are unfamiliar with this story, Israel was being attacked by a neighboring country, the Philistines, and as they were attacking them, this was their approach, is that they had this giant, this champion named Goliath. And every single day, the Philistines would be on one side of a valley on a hillside, and the people of Israel would be on the other hillside on the other side of this valley. And every single day, Goliath would come out and challenge any one person from Israel to take him on and fight them. And if whoever took him on and fought him, and and if they won, then we would call it a victory. And so every single day, Goliath would walk out there and he would begin mocking them. Kind of like a WWF wrestler, like, come here, brother. Like, he would just be like mocking them every single day. And no one wanted to take on the giant. He was huge. He was the bully of all bullies. And he would just spend every morning not only attacking the troops of Israel, but also their God. And then one day, uh, then one day, David shows up. Um, And David hears what Goliath has said in verse 8. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, we will become your subjects, but I will overcome him and kill him. You will be our subjects and serve us. And then at the end of that, the Hebrew text actually shares that he would finish this line with an adoyal rules, like the bully of all bullies. All troops of Israel, they were terrified, but David showed up one day, and he was the youngest of six, I'm sorry, youngest of eight different sons. And all of the older sons, they were actually there as soldiers. They were there ready to fight. And David shows up to deliver food. He's like an ancient favor deliverer. He shows up to provide food for the troops. And he begins to hear what Goliath is saying. And uh, David saw what was happening, but he saw it differently than anyone else. David, in verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine, removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that 
He should defy the armies of the living God. So where is David's focus? It's the fact that we have a living God who's on our side. It's not just us. It's not just us against this giant. There is another reality that we should be considering, that God is alive and fights for his people. And David's perspective went beyond that which was in front of them. And he had this audacious belief that God is there, alive, active. And even though he was the least likely person to take on this giant, David, he raises his hand. He says that he has a willingness to step out. He displays what it meant to be a person of courageous vulnerability. And how was he able to do that? Because he knew he would not be fighting alone. As we read this story, we will see we will see that David, for him to step out into vulnerability and to power, he is immediately confronted with a series of obstacles in his life. These obstacles are fighting him to be able to continue to step out in vulnerability, to step out in power. And the reality is, I think as we walk through these obstacles, you might be able to relate to them. As you are, there's different parts of your life where you are being called to step out into vulnerability and power. I would be surprised if you do not relate to the obstacles that he faced. What is the first obstacle? Well, when David pledges to fight, he has words of opposition that go to his very heart. And guess where the words of opposition first come? His brothers. Verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and at him and asked, why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. It's a sad truth that oftentimes when we make the decisions to step out in our courageous self, the opposition that we often find isn't from the enemy, it isn't from the people most removed, it's from the people who know us the most. Oftentimes when we step out into our true self, our courageous self, our foe is not always in this world. It is found in the painful words from the people who know us the most. The enemy is not only on the battlefield, it is the friend or the family right next to you. Did you notice the brother's words? It wasn't like, David, you're small and weak and you can't bench press more than like the bar. It wasn't that. It was actually like about his heart. Did you notice those words? I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. The attack went deeper. The brothers were saying, you know, get back in your lane. We actually know who you are. I know many of you here have heard those words and similar, similar types of words that we know who you really are, here you go again, check your heart, because we know it. And as for many of us, that has been enough for us to turn back and go back home, to go back into our place. But David shows us that he needed to keep his faith and his courage by setting his gaze upon something else, by attuning his ears and his heart to something else that there are whispers of lies and accusations that come to us when we start to step out in vulnerability and into power. But David shows that his focus is elsewhere. That wasn't the only obstacle that David had to, before he could step into power. There's a next obstacle. 
And it was the doubt from others. The first is the, the painful words from those who know him the, the most, and then is the doubt from others. Eventually, Saul, the king, hears that there is finally someone who's willing to take on Goliath. And he goes, okay, who is it? And he's looking around at all the di different options, and then this teenage boy with a retainer walks up, you know, sets aside his trombone, and is like, I, I can do it. And Saul goes, really? This is what he says in verse 33. You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. David responds by saying, you know, like in this response to Saul's accusations of doubt, uh, David responds by having this clarity of who he is and what he's for. David looked at his life and saw that God had been preparing him for this moment. I think this is such a helpful example for many of us who are trying to step out in vulnerability, we're trying to step out in power. David shows us where we can, we can, we can have power and energy to boost, to boost us, to, to buoy our souls and our hearts. Where does David look? He looks in his past. David was able to step out in vulnerability and power because he's able to look back and he sees that God has been working out a story in his heart, in his life, of how faithful he is. This is what he says in verse 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Notice where his focus is. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. David was able to step out in vulnerability and power because he remembered a story of God's faithfulness, loyalty, and enduring presence in all the conflicts of his life. And he was able to look back and go, perhaps God has been preparing me for this moment now. It's not about the size of the giant on the battlefield, it's about the size of God's great loyalty, his faithfulness that's with you in whatever battlefield you find yourself in. That is where David's focus was. And I wonder how many of you right now are facing your own giant. Maybe it's the giant of despair or it's the giant of relational pain or discord that has erupted in your life or it's a giant from an awful diagnosis or maybe it's just the giant of feeling aimless and unsure. To step forward onto this moment you need to know that there is strength in your past. Why? Because the same God who had brought you here, he isn't done with you. He's not been faithful uh, to you in your past to leave you alone here. No, God is with you here and now as you're facing the giant in your life that you have. And it's going to require more courage and more power than you're able to muster in yourself. So perhaps we have to look backwards. We have to look backwards and remember that God is a warrior and he fights for us in our battles. And against all odds, Saul then said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Okay, all systems go. It's time. But then there's a third obstacle. And this one's more subtle, but I think for many of us, we can relate to it. This third obstacle is right there for David as he's preparing to step on the battlefield Right after David gets the green light from Saul, this is what happens in verse 38. Then Saul dresses in David's, uh, in, 
Saul dresses David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword over a tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. The third obstacle that David faced when he, put, uh, when he was going to this battlefield was that he believed that he had to put on someone else's armor. He had to, to put on someone else's weapons. Rather than continuing with the tools of dependence upon God, David thought he had to armor up. He had to be less vulnerable, less woundable. He had to go on the battlefield with weapons and a posture that this world had learned and had accommodated to. But David's power was from his past, and the victories that he experienced from his past was by living into his vulnerable self, his woundable self, that he didn't need armor against bears or lion, and he won't need them here. Why? Because God will be with him. Thankfully, David saw this. He said, I can't go in these. He said to Saul, because I am not used to them, so he took them off. How often do we step into the challenges of our life thinking that the only way that I can be successful is if I can act like the better version of me or the more victorious version of me or the more powerful people out there? The reality is, is that there is unique power when we bring our true selves into this world. Like there's supernatural, God-soaked power. When, it's not when we get armored up, when we learn from this world, like how to bring our ammo, but it's actually when we bring our vulnerable, true self into this world, our voice, our giftings, and especially our vulnerable self. Many of us don't step into power because we believe that God will, will use those who are actually powerful, not someone like me. And if we have that perspective, we will always have the mindset that venerates Goliath's and disregards David's. This story does not give us permission to do that. It does not give us permission to disregard others and our true selves due to the size or abilities or giftings that we have. The kingdom of God belongs to the small and easily discarded things. The kingdom of God it's like a small mustard seed. It's like a little bit of yeast. It's like a boy with a sling, and it's like a single solitary man riding in on a donkey. Jesuit priest Henry Nowen, he said it beautifully when he wrote, I'm deeply convinced that the Christian leader of the future is called to be completely irrelevant and to stand in this world with nothing to offer but his or her own vulnerable self that is the way Jesus came to reveal God's love. It's through us bringing our vulnerable self. And by the way, that word Christian leader just means you. That God longs for us to stand in this world irrelevant to the ways in which we combat each other and this world, but to bring our vulnerable self into this world. That is how Jesus came to reveal God's love. So David took off the armor, he set aside someone else's sword, and he remembered his story. This is what he said in verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in a pouch of the shepherd's bag and his sling. I love the fact that he's still carrying his shepherd's bag. And his sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And David and Goliath face off, and the comparison is stark 
Goliath is the exemplar of power without any vulnerability, and this young man is the example of the blending of being woundable in this world, yet somehow through his, bringing his vulnerable self, having incredible power. And we know what happens. I had the fun experience a couple of years ago. I went to my favorite coffee shop, one of my favorite coffee shops in East Austin called Say Tin. Has everyone been there? It's an awesome place. It's kind of quirky. And for me, it's a funny thing to do sermon prep at a place called Say Tin, right? Could it be? Uh, but when I got there, when I got there, I saw a celebrity of sorts. I saw a man named Malcolm Gladwell, author, podcast guru. I saw him there, and he's famous for books like Tipping Point or Outliers. Um, he also has podcasts, Revisionist History, that's incredible, and more recently, Broken Record, which is all around music. But I love his ability to tell stories. I've found him really, really fascinating. And he has the ability to tell great stories. So I toss the dice. You know when you see a celebrity or someone kind of famous, you're like, am I going to make it weird? Do, I, do we have this interaction? There's sometimes where I also don't like meeting my people. I, you know, I kind of look up to you because what if they're really rude or whatever? What if they get really clingy? Like, what if they want to hang out with me too much, you know? Um, so I decided to toss the dice and uh, to talk to him, I, you know, 20 seconds in and out. Quick, you got to pay your homage and then get out of there. And so that's what I did. I mentioned how, I mentioned briefly how I love his material and how I'm actually a pastor and sometimes I, I uh, take his quotes and material and I never uh, quote him, but I just use it uh, for a church. He found that kind of funny. And, um, and then we, I said goodbye, and I walked in. And um, about an hour later, I was done, and I went uh, to go back to my car, and he was still outside. And he actually waved me over. He was like, oh, I, I meant to ask you, will you tell me about your church? So I talked about you and talked about you and what we do and uh, what we are learning and that kind of thing. And then we stumbled into a conversation because he was working on a book around David and Goliath. And so we stumbled on a conversation about this story, and as insightful as always, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, I'll call him Malcolm, uh, we're on the first name basis, uh, he shared his point of view that Goliath embodies something called the blind giant. A blind giant is when someone is so big and so strong that somehow their, their strength blinds them. It holds them back from being able to see clearly. You can think about this in, you know, industry or corporations or businesses that get so big that they lose the ability to be adaptable, right? They don't, they, they forget their opportunities that are for them because they're just gotten so big. And Goliath's size, he blinded him. His power, his dominance held him from seeing clearly. In comparison, uh, Malcolm, Malk, Malk uh, he shared how Scripture actually describes uh, David as, I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, his adjectives are he's ruddy, handsome, and clear-eyed. Like he could actually see clearly. And for him, David's vulnerability and weakness allowed him to see clearly. That's why he was victorious. And what we see here in this is not only that Goliath was blind to something, but David was able to see what other people couldn't. And I think there is like he was able to see a spiritual dynamic that was at play that other people were blind to. And because of that, he was able to be victorious. 
Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. This is where I'm drawing my strength. I'm coming to you in God's name. And all of those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And in that day, David was victorious, and because of David's victory, this hope that believing that God can fight for our battles, it inspired the rest of the troops, and they were all victorious on that day. They were living into a story of God's faithfulness, that the battle is the Lord's, and the battle that you are facing in your life is still God's. It belongs to God. You have a role to play, but the same name that David called upon is here for you. The same God that was alive and active in David's life, God is alive and active for you. If we can learn to see clearly, if we can learn to call upon God's name. That was the same name that Jesus called upon again and again Today, we remember and we retell a moment that Jesus entered a battlefield. It was not as obvious as David's experience of stepping onto that valley, but it was a battlefield nonetheless. Instead of riding into Jerusalem with weapons and soldiers and dominance to to be able to foster and breed violence, we see Jesus doing something totally different. Jesus came riding in on humility, riding on a donkey, And this last week of Lent, which we call the Holy Week, we will see Jesus come against the very same obstacles that David faced before he stepped onto his battlefield. We will see the same obstacles that David encountered and that you might encounter as well. We see that uh, Jesus experienced doubt and disdain from the people who loved him most people who rejected Jesus' plans and his vulnerability. We hear Jesus, uh, we see Jesus experiencing the whispers of lies, just like David did, the doubt and the lies that David experienced. What we see is that Jesus experienced them too. And what was the most common whisper of a lie that Jesus encountered? If you really are the Son of God, if you really are the Son of God, you will command angels to fight for you. If you really are the Son of God, why don't you come down from that cross? If you really are the Son of God, why don't you take that throne in power? And Jesus, he was clear-eyed. He knew exactly what he was called to do. And it attacked the core of his identity, but Jesus was able to work through that obstacle. Jesus was tempted by the weapons of this world to call upon the angels to fight, or even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Peter pulled out the sword and cut off the attendant's ear, Jesus was able to say, if you live by the sword, you will die by it. And the same crowd that praised Jesus on this day as we celebrate Palm Sunday, the hollow and fickle praise of people like me and you, the same people that praised Jesus would then, few days later, cheer his death. That is where David and Jesus' stories, they this mashup, they, they're so similar, but they do part ways. And this is how, is that Jesus and David, they both de- deployed vulnerability and power, but in such different ways. Jesus looked at his past. He knew that his father would be faithful, that God would fight for him, and that victory would be given to him. But that was not going to be, place, be in the place of violence and dominance. It would take place as Jesus, he gave his life over. 
Jesus demonstrated what ultimate vulnerability is. If vulnerability is our capacity to be woundable, Jesus was vulnerable to the end. And Jesus didn't have slings and stones. Instead, what Jesus had, he had a secret weapon that he could deploy to take on this world, to take on all the pain and the hopelessness, that isolation and the brokenness in our lives. And what did he utilize? His vulnerable self. In a matter of days, Jesus would be laid upon a cross and put in a borrowed tomb. This world would discard and mis misunderstand just as much as David's slings and stones, Jesus's unlikely hero, this unforeseen savior, he would be misunderstood and he would stand victorious, but not in the way that this world expects. Jesus could have said David's own words in this mashup and they would be a different form. Jesus could say like David, all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into God's hands. Jesus did not come with sword or spear, but he came with his vulnerable self. And the battle that Jesus sought to, to fight was not against another tribe or another people or against this world, but it was for all of us that we could be placed in the hands of God. And these hands are that of forgiveness, grace, mercy, and love. And I hope that you believe that you are in God's hands right now in the battles that you're facing that God holds you with all compassion and love. Why? Because those hands would be scarred and wounded for you and for me. The same principles that we see at work in Scripture, God wants to meet in our life. And this divine mashup that we see in Scripture it's not just some story from the Bible. This is your story too. And God wants the same principles that we see here in the story to be blended into your life. That the battle that you're in today is still the Lord's and God is with you. That there is power in being your true self that is all that God ever wants you to be. That there's strength in calling upon the name of the Lord so when you guys came in, you've received a card. Go ahead and grab it. If you don't have it, then look around. There, is a there should be a chair around you that has one. There's some up here. There's some on the way out. That card uh, has an image, an illustration that we've been using each week in Lent. The illustration that you have there is, uh, is one that we, uh, each week we're, we're holding in a posture of prayer as we do this, this thing called Visio Divina where we look at these illustrations and we consider where are we with this? What's coming up within our souls as we go through these? And on the back side of it is a spiritual practice or prayer. This week I selected a prayer for us called the Serenity Prayer. It's a one that theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, he wrote, that has also been made popularized by the 12-step community. And the reality is this is meant for all of us as we are all fighting unspoken battles in our life where we all need wisdom in our own journey of recovery and healing. I encourage you guys to pray this prayer throughout this week as you hold this image in your heart and your mind. And as we do so, we have this opportunity to remember God's faithfulness, not only in your past, but the faithfulness that God wants to bring in your life today. As we are filled with courage to bring our true, vulnerable, and powerful selves into this world. 
We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.